Namaskaram. Uh, hi, Ernesto. Hi, Michael. Hi, Jose. Uh, today we have a question that says like this. How can the conviction that all this is a dream be developed more powerfully apart from the practice of self-inquiry itself? Well, the, the answer is contained in the question. That is the, the most effective way to strengthen the conviction is the practice of self-investigation. If we are excluding that, then the most we can do is to think deeply about Bhagavan's teachings, to understand by, um, that is to do deep manana, to, to consider what evidence we have that this is anything but a dream. And that is, if we, if we think about it, a dream is a much simpler state, or it's a much simpler explanation of our experience. In dream, we experience all the type of the same type of things that we experience here. But if we say it's all a dream, that means none of it actually exists. The only thing that exists in the dream is the dreamer. The dreamer is seeing itself as all these things. So to say it's a dream is a very simple explanation. If we say, no, it's not a dream, it is, it is a waking state, then if it's a waking state, then we have not just one uh, person seeing this, we've got a multitude, so many people are seeing this, and then, the, 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 um, as they would say in philosophy, the ontological landscape becomes extremely complex. There are so many things, but this world is existing independent of ourselves, so there are um, all sorts of uh, uh, so many galaxies, there are so many um, uh, subatomic particles, there's so many you can go on and on investigating, 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 there's no end to the complexity of things if you accept that this is not a dream. If you say it's a dream, it, then there's no complexity at all, there's simply the subject, namely the dreamer, and everything that is dreamed, all the objects, the phenomena, and those objects are nothing but a creation of the subject. That's a very simple explanation. So, which is more likely to be true? A simple explanation or a complex explanation? Obviously, the simple explanation is more likely to be true than a complex explanation. Because a complex explanation, you're assuming the existence of so many things, whose reality you do not actually know. So if we think deeply about it, there are so many reasons for, though we can never prove that our present state is a dream, even in a dream we can't prove our state is a dream. There's no uh, proof as such, but if we think about it deeply, it is far more likely that this is a dream than that all this is true. But if this is a dream, all we're saying is that we are there dreaming, and we are all this is just our own mental fabrication. That's a very simple explanation. Whereas if we say, no, this isn't a dream, all this is real, all this is actual, then you're, you're, we, we are assuming the existence of so many things whose existence we don't actually know. All we know we don't know that anything other than ourselves exists. All we know is, or oh, they seem to exist. 
this microphone in front of me seems to exist. This PC in front of me seems to exist. Um, this body of mine seems to exist. This All the thoughts in my mind seem to exist. That's all we can say about them, but they seem to exist. We, But just because something seems to exist doesn't mean it actually exists. So if we say all this is a dream, all we are, what we are saying is all this, though it seems to exist, doesn't actually exist. If we are saying, no, it is not a dream, it is all real, then we are... In, imposing that is we assuming the existence of things but merely seem to exist uh, just because something seems to exist doesn't mean that we have any evidence that it actually exists the only thing that we can be sure actually exists is our own existence everything else could be just an illusion but our own existence obviously cannot be an illusion because who is seeing the illusion? I mean, who is aware of our existence? I am. So we must exist in order to be aware of our existence. So our own existence is Swayam Prakasha, it's self-shining. It's obvious. The existence of other things is not at all obvious. It may seem obvious. Oh, it's very obvious there's this microphone in front of me. But if we think about it deeply, how can we be sure that this microphone actually exists and it's not just part of a dream? Not just a, it's all, all, what I call this microphone is just a mental impression. I see it, so uh, yeah, I have a visual impression of it, so I say, oh, there's a microphone there. And you can even say, no, no, it's not just seeing it, we, we're aware of the operation of this microphone. We can, if we speak into this microphone, we can record what is being said and we can hear it. So we've got evidence not just of our sight, but also of sound and other things. But all these are just mental impressions. That is, the only evidence we have of the existence of an external world is that we have sensory impressions. In fact, Bhagavan says in verse 6 of Ludanapadu, the world is nothing but these five kinds of sensory impression. But just because you have an impression of something doesn't mean it actually exists. And sensory impressions are impressions for whom? For the mind. So they're just mental impressions. In other words, they're all just thoughts. So why should we believe this world is anything but thoughts? And thoughts exist only in the view of the thinker. So it, to, to accept that all this is a dream is a far simpler explanation if we are willing to accept it. The problem, why, why generally it's not accepted that this is a dream? Because generally we don't want to accept it's a dream. Then we have to question ourselves, why don't I want to accept this is a dream? Obviously it's because we're still so attached to this. So doing manana in this way can help us a lot, but the real clarity, that is, we can get a certain degree of clarity from thinking deeply like this, but we get a far, far deeper clarity by practicing self-investigation, by turning our attention within to the source of all clarity, to a light that is shiny in our heart, the original light, the light of all light, the light of I am. Some... Uh... Some Buddhist masters of the Theravada forest uh, line mm. uh, said something that I think is complementary. No, mm. um, 
to develop uh, the clarity that this illusion, that this dream uh, is a dream. Try to find and uh, discover the stress that is inside uh, of all of thoughts, no? mm. the um, inconstant of the thoughts, the um, uh, transitive of all of all of all appearance that uh, we we see, and um, focus the manana in in this convince that real this uh, suffering this. Uh, Mm, uh, this inconstant changes, constant changes of, of all of this appearance. Uh, in a moment, you have the, the 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 clarity that real all of that is a dream. No, with, with the light of uh, Atma Vichara is impossible. No, we know. No, mm -hmm. but in in the way that we are trying to stay more and more and more in the love of yourself when we are outside uh, dreaming that all of that seems to exist exist in, instead of trying to confirm all what we are thinking uh, try to look inside of these uh, thoughts uh, the, the the real suffering that is in in the root of all the thoughts that provide from the ego I don't know what's your opinion about that, uh, because I, I think that is not a, uh, is not take other other way. No? Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure if I understood correctly, but from what I understand about um, about the Theravadan tradition and Buddh Buddhism in general, there's a lot of emphasis on the impermanence of everything. Yes. Uh, Obviously, that is the case. I mean, Vedanta would agree, Advaita would agree entirely. Everything, all, all phenomena are impermanent. Mm -hmm. that, I think it, it is a Buddha said, Anitya, Anitya, Sarvam, Anitya. That uh, impermanent, impermanent, everything is impermanent. Mm -hmm. But it is true, all phenomena are impermanent, all objects are impermanent. So too is the subject, the knower of all objects. Because the, the ego appears in waking and dream, it disappears in sleep. So even this ego is impermanent. But and Advaita puts emphasis, Advaita agrees fully with Buddhism on that. But it puts emphasis on, yet there is one thing that is permanent. Namely, ourself. That mm. all these things come and go. All these uh, phenomena appear along with ego in waking and dream. They disappear along with ego in sleep. But whether they appear or disappear, we always exist and shine. As, mm. our, as, as that fundamental awareness I am. That is our own being. That is permanent, that is unchanging, that is self-shining. Mm -hmm. So Advaita puts more emphasis on that because it is certainly useful to recognize the impermanence of everything else. Because so long as we, we, we fool ourselves into thinking things are permanent, 
we 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 go on after them. But when we when we clearly recognize that all these things are, are are fleeting, there's nothing that we can hold on to that is going to last, but it's going to um there's going to uh be a reliable refuge for us. Mm-hmm. However much um we we may uh um try to cling to wealth, for example, material wealth, or to knowledge, or to all that we've learned, all that we've... All these things are impermanent. They all appear in waking and dream, they disappear again in sleep. Um, and just because they appear in this dream, it's a uh, waking state, I may be a very rich or a very learned person now, but in my dream, I may be totally... I may not know anything, or I may be totally... A, uh, I may be a pauper. So all these things are mere appearances. So dwelling on the impermanence of things is useful, but we shouldn't stop with that. We then need to ask, if any, is everything is impermanent or is there anything in our experience that is permanent? Yes, there is something that is permanent, our own being, I am. But I'm also changing. See, this body, one day I was, uh, 60 years ago, I was a little boy. Now I'm an old man. So I've changed. So how can you say I is not changing? No, you haven't changed. It's the body that has changed. The mind has changed. All these, these are all phenomena. But uh, even ego, the one who knows all these things has changed. But the one thing that never changes is the underlying being that is what is constant however much other things may change our being remains unchanged and, and the problem with these traditions so many times is that uh, uh, continues in a tendency for generations that uh, until you can see absolutely completely the the, the absolute impermanence of all the things you can find you can't find what you really are, no? Yeah. And this this have no sense. For example, yeah. Tulku Rinpoche, that is a, a very revolutionary master, no? In the, the Dogen, no? In the Dogen line, mm-hmm. uh, received too many criticisms because he said you can show the real nature, the real nature, uh, include you are beginning in the path. And is compat- uh, uh, compatible, uh, comp- uh, compatible, yeah. compatible, with the with the um, uh, Viveka, no? Or, or discriminate what is not real, what is appears. Mm-hmm. Uh, look that all of all of that that you feel that is real in reality is a dream. Mm-hmm. It's, it's compatible, no? Uh, discover what you really are. Yeah. And when you don't want to stay uh, attending yourself as what we really are. Uh, try to to put the light uh, that uh, the consciousness give to the to the mind to to try to understand that all of that is illusion. No? Yes, but the problem with trying to understand all this is an illusion. The very fact that we're aware of it makes it seem real. For example, when we're dreaming, the dream seems very real. It's only when the dream is over, when we cease to identify ourselves with the dream body, that we're able to recognize the dream was all unreal. It was just a, a mental fabrication. So by by dwelling, by by attending to things that are unreal, we can't see through their unreality. They were by our very 
act of attending to them, we make them seem real. If we want to be, if we want to recognize that all these things are unreal, if we want to actually experience that, we need to hold on to what is real. When we hold on to what is real, namely our own being, I am, ego will thereby subside in that and everything will subside along with it. I mean, even to say it's all unreal is is meaningless because it it doesn't exist at all. It has never existed. But truth is, there is no such thing as unreality because unreality, what unreality means, what doesn't actually exist. What doesn't actually exist is non-existent. It may seem to exist, but it doesn't actually exist. So it's it's. It, there really is nothing other than what exists, what actually exists, and that is our self. So Bhagavan's focus is entirely on our own being, because that alone is what is real. Yes, it's good to understand the unreality of other things, but we it's useful to a certain extent. We shouldn't continue trying to understand more and more the unreality of these things. I mean, this is what this question is. How to get the conviction that all this is a dream? What we need, we need a basic understanding, but though all this seems to be real, there is no evidence that it's actually real. So um, it's safe to assume that it's all a dream. Having understood that, we don't have to try to increase the conviction that it's a dream. What we have to do is to investigate what is real. If this is a dream, then it's all unreal. Then what is real? In all this unreality, what is real? Everything that appears to us is unreal. But one to whom it appears, namely ego, is unreal because it appears and disappears. Then what am I? So we have to go deeper within. That is why this this um, this question, the way it has been worded, in a way misses the point because by adding apart from the practice of self investigation, it is um, it that is the only way ultimately to to um, convince ourselves that all this is a dream. It's not just a matter of getting an intellectual conviction. If we if we know ourselves as what is real all the unreal things will disappear. Mm -hmm. So even to say it's a dream is only a, an intermediate teaching. The ultimate teaching is, it is not at all. It is maya. As Bhagavan often said, maya, I, I think there's a saying in Sanskrit, um, uh, yamasa maya, that is, what is not, she who is not is maya. So um, Maya means she who is not. So it, it's non-existent. The purpose of, uh, Michael, correct me if I'm wrong, um, I guess the purpose is just to create detachment. Exactly, exactly. But then what are we to do with the detachment? But detachment will only be superficial so long as we gain it just by thinking about these things. Right. If we want the detachment to become strong, we need to hold on to our own being. Then these things will drop off and the detachment will become, I mean, automatically the detachment will be strengthened. Right. And ultimately, when we go deeper, 
what's it matter whether this world is a dream or real? We 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 go to we go beyond the need for even thinking about all oh, this is a dream. What right. is actually real is myself. Let me investigate myself. Let me know myself. Let the world be real or let it be unreal. Doesn't matter to me. As Bhagavan says in um in the last line of um verse six of Arunachashtakam, Nindrida Sendrida Ninevida Vindre. Let it go on or let it stop. It is not other than you. Uh, not other than you means it, it is not other than the one rea- fundamental reality. But he talked about in the first line of that verse. What is that? In the first line of that verse, he says, Undoruporo, there is one real substance. Uh, Arivoli, the light of awareness. Ullam, the heart. Ni, you. So that is what actually exists. Ni is referring to Arunachala. You, you refers to Arunachala. So that alone is what actually exists. So let other things appear or disappear. What's it matter to us? As Bhagavan says in the sixth paragraph of Nana, however many thoughts arise, so what? We are not to worry about the appearance of the world. We are not to worry about um, the appearance of thoughts. The only thing we need to focus on is who am I? We need to turn our attention back within to see what we actually are. So it it is a useful intermediate teaching to say all this is a dream because that helps us to at least begin to develop detachment. But the deep detachment cannot come from merely um, reasoning about these things. The deep detachment can come only from going within and experiencing ourselves as we actually are. Right, because when we first enter the teaching, we are so engaged in external activity with so many attachments and desires. So when we hear, no, this is a dream, if we are strongly convinced about, well, it's, it's a reasonable doubt. So we just, it's easier for us to let go a little bit at least to yes. the degree where we can now begin to look within. Yes. This is why the emphasis on the unreality of the world often comes at the beginning of the text. If you read Uludunapadu, for example, in the yeah. early verses from four up to <coughs> nine, and then a little bit further on also, Bhagavan is emphasizing the unreality of the world. That is a, the preliminary teaching but what is the purpose of that to take us to the deeper teaching to know who am I? It, it's such a case in Uludunapdu. In Nana also, in paragraphs three, four, five, he's very much emphasizing the unreality of all appearances, the unreality of everything other than ourselves, the world, second and third persons, other thoughts, they're all unreal. Likewise, in Gurubachakakovai. The first hundred verses or so are all talking about the unreality of the world. So it's necessary at the outset to recognize that this is unreal. But we shouldn't just stop with that. We have to then apply that understanding. If all this is unreal, then what is real? Is there anything that is real? There has to be something that is real because there couldn't be a that, that is the very fact that things appear means that there's something must exist. So what is it that actually exists? If we think about that, 
the only thing that we can be sure exists is our is ourself. Our own existence, there can be no doubt about it. Because if we didn't exist, we couldn't be aware of, of anything. Everything else may be an illusion, but even to know the illusion, we must exist. And what knows the illusion is ego. Does ego actually exist? Ego seems to exist, but doesn't actually exist because it appears and disappears. But if he, even ego is not, not real, it doesn't exist, then what does exist? The underlying reality of ego, namely the fundamental awareness I am, that alone is what exists. So to, to withdraw our mind from other things, these teachings are useful, but they are, they are a means to an end. We shouldn't take them to be the end in itself. So it's very useful to know everything is uh, impermanent, everything is anitya. It's useful to know that all this is a dream. But we shouldn't stop with that understanding. We should go deeper to find out, okay, if all this is a dream, that means it's unreal. Then what is real? If all this is impermanent, then what is permanent? The aim of all these teachings is to draw our attention back to ourselves, because we alone are real, we alone are permanent. So st establishing, uh, that, that's what you said is important. It's, on this end, everything is unreality, the world, even our body, mm. everything is, so the other <laughs> counterpart must be real, there is, must be something real, so <laughs> we'll have a good grasp of that, of what uh, in consciousness plays a role, an important role, yeah, because Yes. The failure to see that, because usually we are engaged in our senses, so that's mm. what. But that's secondary. The sense impressions are secondary. Yeah, yes. it's consciousness what gives that light to the yes, yes. sensory organs. Yeah, so uh, to fail to recognize that there is that's where everything lies. The importance of the uh, the appearance of this world and this body and everything. Yeah, that's uh, because we have to hold on to something. Okay, that's unreal. But we we need to to hold on to something real. Otherwise, it's just maybe I, I'm unreal too. Consciousness yes. is unreal or whatever. Yes. Mm -hmm. Consciousness cannot be. <laughs> no, ultimately, there has to be something real. Mm -hmm. That's ourselves. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and also in in. in uh, if we attach to the senses, whereas our senses say, uh, it makes no sense because in dream, in sleep, sorry, in sleep we are, we think we are a body, sleep, and there is unconsciousness. But how can we exist without being conscious of ourselves? Yeah, as as a body. I mean, uh, in that sense, that that can be that cannot be, because yeah. that cannot be. How can something exist without being aware of itself? Yeah, yes. the body, namely the body, yeah, and in, in sleep. So this we, is what I think is. We are seeing exist without being aware of them. Right. I think this is why it's very important to always remember this is a path of self investigation and self surrender. Yes. We are here to surrender ourselves, ego, our ego nature. Yeah. We who have so many interests and so many things that has to drop off. Yeah. And also, if I, 
sorry, sorry, sorry. It's, um, it's just going to end up with saying you should not try to puzzle the our reality of the world out to an extent where it prevents us from surrendering. Yes, we yes. are here to surrender. Yes. The question is when when we are not really really. Um, um clear that we want to surrender when we when we see ourselves that we want to surrender but we don't really want to surrender yes yeah that's that's a problem and 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 this is when sometimes uh, and when you don't want to turn uh within you only only have uh, the possibility to 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 play help to Bhagavan to understand uh, the hidden value of these vasanas mm. to drop off. Yeah, we may not want to surrender yet, but at least we have begun to want to want to surrender. That is the very fact that we're here talking about this subject means we we are already beginning to want to want to surrender and this is the starting point we have to we have to uh, th though we may not have the all consuming love yet to surrender ourselves completely this love is the way we need to cultivate this love as bhagavan said bhakti is the mother of jnana so bhakti is essential and that 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 love begins by uh, first we are what what has attracted us to Bhagavan's teachings? Why are we so fascinated by Bhagavan's teachings? Why are we spending so much time talking about Bhagavan's teachings? Because we know our present state is an unsatisfactory state. And we know that there's but we we won't find a satisfactory solution to this unsatisfactoriness in this state itself. So we're looking for something beyond. So we begin to recognize, yes, there is something beyond this, but there's a price to pay for it. This, what is beyond all this cannot, cannot be known by ego. So we must be willing to surrender this ego. So we begin to, to um, consider, yes, it is worth paying this price. We're still reluctant to pay the price, but we we are begrudgingly admitting to ourselves now, yes, this price does have to be paid, and it is worth paying it. 